It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in Utah to speak with David Locke about perhaps the hottest team in the NBA, the Utah Jazz. We'll go to the Bay Area to speak with Aliko Carter of Locked On Warriors to speak about the injuries that Golden State are currently dealing with. And lastly, we'll go to Boston to speak with Sam Packard of the Locked On Celtics podcast about their injury woes and how Marcus Smart's absence hurts if he does not return during the postseason. It's all coming up, the biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, we're back with another Locked On NBA. My name is Josh Lloyd, your host for the Monday edition of Locked On NBA. I also host the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast five days a week, and I'm the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com. We've got tons to talk about going on across the NBA, so let's get stuck straight into it. All right, I'm joined now by the uh, the host of the Locked On Jazz podcast, and of course the host of the Locked On NBA podcast, David Locke. You are in a in the other in the other seat today as the guest on your own show. Must be a must be an odd feeling. Yeah, well, it was really odd was when I did this show and then had to talk to myself once. Okay, yeah, I've, uh, hey, I I live that every day. I talk to myself for like a, <laughs> an hour a day every every day doing my show, so it it can make you go a bit crazy. But you're on here because the Utah Jazz are. Arguably the hottest team in the NBA. They are running on a 21 and 2 streak at the moment. They've won their last nine consecutive games since the end of January. The only team that's got a better record is the Houston Rockets, who are 22 and 2. They're ahead of the Raptors, who are 21 and 3 over that time frame. They have got the best net rating in the league over that time frame. And they've also got the best defense by a huge, huge margin. Their defensive rating is 94.5. And the next best, David, is 102. Is it all Rudy Gobert? It's a lot of Rudy Gobert. I think it's worth noting that when uh, Rudy Gobert's off the floor, they're also very good. They've been under 100 uh, a rating without Rudy Gobert, uh, or about 101 since January 19th. So that deserves some credit because that would be the number one defense in the league also. So with that said, there must be some schematic element of things. You must have some defensive personnel, uh, which they do. I think there's not really a guy who's playing right now who you'd want to be guarded by if you were on the other team. 
But the core to the whole thing is a seven foot one Frenchman with a seven nine wingspan and a nine seven standing reach. And the way he alters games, in my opinion, is this defensively is the same way that Steph Curry and James Harden alter games offensively. I saw you tweeted out yesterday. I also saw Tony Jones from the uh, uh, Salt Lake Tribune tweeted out yesterday that Rudy Gobert, in both of your opinions, is a top 10 player in the NBA. And of course, you get pushback from that. But is it just because of how large this impact he has defensively? Plus, the way he works offensively, it's significantly uh, underrated. All he does is dunk. But there's there's inherent skill to what he does offensively as well. I, I could actually make the pl- argument I think he's the single most impactful player in the entire NBA. Um now, maybe that doesn't mean he's the best, but most impactful. He impacts defensive possessions unequaled. And he he impacts defensive possessions and games the way Steph Curry and James Harden do offensively. If you really if you get into it. Here's a number. Just kind of geek out for a second. But the league average is 32% of shots are taken in the restricted area. Yep. When Gobert's on the floor since the – this is since the uh, trade deadline. Only 25% of opponent shots are in the restricted area. So 7% less shots are being taken in the single most efficient area just because of his presence. And then what that allows the Jazz to do is guard the three in a way that other teams can't because nobody else has Rudy Gobert. So half as many corner threes are taken as well. So you've now taken the number one and number two areas of the floor that are the single most uh, efficient places and taken a huge amount of those shots away from opponents and then – and then they don't have a great night elsewhere. Um, that's, to me, the exact same way that James Harden and Steph Curry bend the floor offensively. It's it's creating doubt in the other team's mind. So you talk about Harden and Curry, and, and teams are always going, where are they? How do I get out to them? I can't leave them alone. I can't leave them for a second. But on the flip side, when you're playing go people are thinking, oh, my God, Rudy's there. I cannot go into the paint. We can't drive because it's just automatically going to be a bad shot or it's going to be a block or we're going to get swarmed. And it just completely changes their mindset. And then other players are getting in their own head thinking, is Gobert out there? Where is he? Where is he positioned? And that changes all that stuff. Plus, as you alluded to, it helps that you've got all these perimeter defenders, Ricky Rubio, Joe Ingles, Donovan Mitchell, the addition of Jay Crowder, guys like Royce O'Neal who come in and play you know, passing lanes and, and cut off when people start panicking driving into the lane. They can get the steals and they can turn, force turnovers that way. So the team has been really well crafted, I guess, here by by Dennis Lindsay. And I get, but the hard thing about looking at this Jazz team, David, is that they're still in a fight for a playoff spot despite being 21-2 and two over this last six weeks of action. The Western Conference is just that good. Well, and Rudy Gobert missed a tremendous amount of time. Yep. And, and and that's, you know, the Jazz are now 29 and 15 when Rudy Gobert plays this year. Had Rudy Gobert not missed those games, then certainly there wouldn't they'd be winning it's there when that's a 66% winning rate, that's a 54 win team. There wouldn't there wouldn't be this issue. But you're absolutely right. They are still battling for a playoff spot which uh, and, and the wiggle room is, despite all the wins they've had recently, the wiggle room is still very slim because everyone's playing very well. Sans Denver, uh, who's the only team that's kind of blinked in this process. So you're, abs- you're absolutely right. They still have a long way to go. Uh, back to the last thing. I, I, just There's two fundamental beliefs you have to have if you're going to try to, if you buy into the idea that Rudy Gobert is a top 10 player. And you can decide that you, you either have these or you don't. One is... You cannot win 21 of 23 or whatever the Jazz have done in the NBA as a fluke. No. Like th- that, that just is – so if it's not – you can't do that as a fluke. 
So there has to be a reason. And if you look when James Harden and the Rockets win 21 of 23, you, there, you know what it is. And when Steph Curry does it, you know what it is, or Kevin Durant. So you have to figure out what the answer is with the Jazz, and the answer is it's Rudy's defense uh, and the collective defense. Uh, the other thing, and this is a hard one for people to grasp, but is a good offensive game lead to winning the same way a good defensive game does? We sports center highlight offense. We talk offense. We do all of our MVP voting on offense. We draft on offense. We do everything on offense, largely because coaches think they can get people to play defense. But from the research I've done, if the bell curve is the exact same. If you impact a game and hold a team five points below their the league average offensively, you win or you win the same amount as if you uh, score five points more than the league average offensively. So the impact of offense and defense on this league, from what I'm seeing in the regular season, is the exact same. The sing- unquestionably the best defensive player in the league is Rudy Gobert. Unquestionably the best offensive players in the league are Steph Curry and James Harden and Kevin Durant. The thing that Therefore, also, I put them in the same group. The thing that also gets, I guess, underrated with this, Justin, is they're not a bad offense. Like They're 18th by basketball uh, references offensive rating at the moment, so they're right in the middle of the pack. And I guess people look at it and they look at the points that they score and they go, oh, they only score 103 points per game, which is 24th in the NBA. But because they slow it down, because they play a deliberate sort of offense, they are really efficient at what they do. And middle of the pack plus this top defense, it does make them a, a really, really you know, strong team and a team that many teams are going to be fearing, I guess, heading into the playoffs, especially if they do get through that first round. Then they have to take on teams like Houston or Golden State in that second round. It's going to make for really interesting uh, in basketball and that real clash of styles, which is going to be, I guess, something those teams or no one really has yeah, that sort of defensive pedigree to go up against them and making it a really interesting head-to-head battle. Be interesting to see what if a team can scout Rudy in some way over a playoff series. The Clippers, he got injured in that Clippers series, uh, and then defensively, uh, offensively, I think the Jazz could struggle in the playoffs. I think that that would be the concern. But you know, part of the reason that they're able, able to stay above water offensively is because Rudy Gobert, over the last nine game win streak, is averaging eighteen points. 13 rebounds a game and shooting nearly 70%. Yeah, exactly. And, and when you're converting at that high percentage, you don't need to be taking huge amounts of shots. Plus, they do have those perimeter options as well. Joe Ingles is leading the NBA in three-point percentage. We know what Donovan Mitchell's doing on his high usage, and it seems like he can be counted on at any point to come out and just drop 20 points, whether that's in a half or across a full game when they need him to do it. He can do it. Ricky Rubio's increased his shooting and his offensive output. Everything is coming together at the right time of the season for Utah. They're still in that battle. For the uh, for seeding and for a playoff position, David. So it's going to be an intriguing last ten to twelve games of the NBA season. Of course, you're going to be covering that by uh, yeah announcing the games on the radio on Locked On Jazz, and of course here on Locked On NBA as well. Thanks for coming on. To- Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a four fifty-five meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. I'm joined now by the host of the Locked On Warriors podcast, Aliko Carter. Um... Things were uh, were swimming along pretty nicely for Golden State, and then this last week or so, they've just been smashed with injuries to 
basically all of their stars with Draymond Green missing time. And at the moment, they currently have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant all sidelined for multiple games. I guess the number one question we want to know here about the Golden State Warriors is, is this a concern with the playoffs you know, three or four weeks away? Yeah, I would say absolutely a concern, Josh. And I think they've thrown that number one seed out the window completely. It's not um, something that the team is really focused on anymore. And there's such a nice cushion between them and number three, Portland, even though Portland just handed us a couple of smashings over the last month, uh, that they're not really too worried about falling, falling farther than the number two spot. It's really about getting everybody healthy. Because, uh, you know, at full strength, of course, they feel they can beat anyone. They've shown that over the last two, three years, they can beat anyone when they have a healthy uh, roster. But, you know, Steph has been hurt in the playoffs in the past. It's hurt them. And so they're just really trying to get everybody on that 100% healthy uh, 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 and off the injury report. They're almost 10 games ahead of Portland uh, out of the third seed. So that look, with only 12 games left, they're pretty safe there. Like they're not going. Look, Portland's not going to win every game, and, and Golden State's not going to lose every game from here on out. So they're pretty much locked into that two seed. The Rockets are going to get the one seed. But the, the question we have is these injuries. Which one is the more concerning? We've got Clay Thompson dealing with a thumb issue, Kevin Durant with a rib cartilage fracture, and Steph with about his 70th uh, ankle tweak for the season. Which one is the more worrisome, or are they all worrisome in their own way? Well, here's the thing. I, I would say Clay Thompson's is definitely the most worrisome because that injury is on his shooting hand. He says he doesn't, he's not too worried about it. Uh, his dad said that he broke his foot back in the day, rebounded pretty well. But, you know, what we need from Clay Thompson is to be insurance, uh, you know, when people are crowding Stephen Curry and uh, sometimes Kevin Durant, where they can't, uh, they ha- he has to keep the defenses honest. And if his shooting is not what it was before 45% on the year leading the league, uh, then uh, there's going to be a little bit more of a concern in the playoffs. I think second, you've got Kevin Durant's um, rib injury, cracked ribs, and uh, he's going to have to come back. And, uh, you know, that that creates heavy breathing and, and, and it's tough to pull up sometimes. And it's a very, very open area that, you know, can be, you know, poked and prodded and, and hit. And in the playoffs, that's when teams really key in on those kinds of strategies. And then I would say third is Stephen Curry's ankle injury, the umpteenth ankle tweak that he's had. Um, I think what they're just really trying to do since KD and, um, and Clay are out and everybody's been out is they're just being very, very safe with Stephen Curry right now. I, I don't think that that ankle injury is anything to worry about. Steve Kerr said that maybe it would be a blessing in disguise with Clay Thompson and just to have this time off because we've seen him play, you know, and all these Warriors players play you know, a significant amount of games with the, you know, basically the additional season of action they've seen over the past three postseasons. And Clay has had some struggles through this season. He hasn't quite been the same player as last year, had a few, uh, you know, quieter moments in last year's playoffs. Do you, uh, do you subscribe to that theory that this time off could actually be a positive for him? Yeah, I definitely do. And I've talked with him about this, too, because, uh, you know, he's big with Anta in China and the uh, FIBA World Cup is going to be in China next year. They're trying to make the uh, finals every single year. Like you said, that's an extra up to 28 games. 
every single year. And uh, Clay Thompson definitely needs the rest. He's been the Warriors' Iron Man along with Draymond Green. But Clay, really, before this season, had only missed about eight games in his NBA career, seven-year NBA career. So he definitely could use the rest. Uh, I think that uh, KD and uh, Steph are a little bit more rested. They're itching to get out there and play, honestly. But they're not trying to, and they being the Warriors' brass, aren't trying to rush anybody out there. Like you said, the uh, that two-seed is pretty much locked up. So, um, you know, they're just hoping that uh, we can get everybody back on the right side. And and the rest is definitely going to do everybody a bit of good. What do we make of Quinn Cook, who stepped in in Stephen Curry's absence? And over the last three games, he's averaging 22 points per game and shooting 63% from the field and doing his best to really impersonate Steph by knocking down tons of threes and doing it at an extremely high level. Now, of course, the efficiency is not going to stick at this level, but he is a player that unless the Warriors convert him to a full-time contract, he's not going to be eligible in the playoffs. Do you think with the way that he has played here, he has pushed himself perhaps ahead of a guy like Pat McCaw as the third string point guard and they will look to activate him in the playoffs somehow or is this just a a, a role that's developed out of necessity and, and thanks for your time but we won't be seeing him in April and May yeah you know that's a tough one I think three things here first I'll start with Pat McCaw Pat McCaw is a much bigger and a longer rangier player than Quinn Cook he's much more useful on the defensive end and when the playoffs uh, slow the game down I think you'll see a lot more of Pat McCaw once he gets healthy because he just brings so much on the defensive end and can do everything that Quinn Cook can do on the offensive end but Quinn Cook is a bit of a defensive liability sometimes I think Cook you know 26 points per game in the G League for the C-dubs he's been playing extremely well and uh two they're not you know they haven't game planned for Quinn Cook teams haven't game planned for Quinn Cook to get good uh uh to get good uh, footage of Quinn Cook to watch the the video, you've got to watch G League games. And then he's not actually playing with uh, the Warriors that we see every day. So it's one of those things where it's a little bit of serendipity that he's out there cutting up defenses right now. I just don't think that they've been game planning for Quinn Cook as much as, you know, for a guy like Stephen Curry. But Quinn Cook is a great basketball player. Um, I don't think, though, that they will go with him over Patrick McCaw. It's been a uh, it's been an interesting time for the for the Warriors this season. Their their defense has been you know, not at the level we've expected over the past couple of years. And everyone's always bemoaned the fact you know Kevin Durant going to Golden State. The season's over. Why bother watching anything? Yeah, they're going to win the next ten championships. And, and at this point, at more than any point in perhaps the last three seasons, they seem you know, really uh, vulnerable. The Rockets are playing at a high level. The Warriors' defense has slipped. They're losing games that they they never usually lose. So it is really creating a ton of interest here, especially as we head into the playoffs, Aliko. You're going to be covering all of that for Locked On Warriors, and I'm I'm sure you're hoping that they can can regain some of that, at least defensive prowess, get their players back. Um, And I guess one positive we can say is at least the injuries have happened now and they haven't happened in May. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think... You know, getting pounded twice by teams like Oklahoma City, teams like Portland and the Denver Nuggets, you know, all, all teams that we have been uh, dominant over in the past few seasons. Um, it, it's definitely opened some eyes in Oakland. And, uh, you know, health is the number one concern. Obviously, like I said, if the team is fully healthy, they believe they can go out there and beat anyone. And remember, we've been dealing with injuries. Uh, the Warriors have been dealing with injuries for the entire season. Steph Curry missed a full month. Uh, KD has been in and out of the lineup. Draymond has a mysterious shoulder injury that continues to uh, keep him out of the occasional game. And so, 
um, but two years ago, this team went 73 and nine without Kevin Durant and peaked in March. And clearly they didn't peak in March this year. They're looking to peak in May. And uh, that is, uh, you know, contingent on health. It's contingent on, you know, Steve Kerr coming up with the right combinations, rotations to face these teams. I mean, you know, it's a gauntlet in the Western Conference this year, but the Warriors still seem to have more talent when healthy than all the other teams, and that's what they're going to be banking on. All right, we look forward to seeing all of this play out over the next couple of months, and we'll all be tuned into Locked On Warriors to hear your perspective. That is Aliko Carter of the Locked On Warriors podcast. Aliko, thanks for jumping on Locked On NBA. Thank you, Josh. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And now I'm joined by one of the hosts of the Locked On Celtics podcast, Sam Packard. We're going to talk about the currently second seeded in the Eastern Conference, Boston Celtics. Sam, it's been a uh, it's been a, a wonderful season, but um, injuries striking at precisely the wrong time. Yeah, it's going to be tough for the Celtics, especially with the news of Marcus Smart uh, recently getting surgery on his wrist. Uh, that he's really the key to their um, defense. He was the heart and soul of the team, so. They've had a really good season so far, but heading into the playoffs, losing Smart and then losing big man uh, Daniel Tice is not what the Celtics uh, wanted heading into the playoffs. I think the Marcus Smart thing is really key. Now, the Celtics are currently sitting in the second seed. It's going to be tough for them to lose that second seed. They're currently seven games up on the Cavs uh, for that for that spot. They're not going to catch the Raptors. They're four and a half games behind there. So they're fairly locked into there. So they can take it, I guess, somewhat easy with some of these injuries, guys like you know, Kyrie Irving and Jalen Brown. They don't have to rush them back necessarily to lock themselves into home court advantage. But Smart is going to be out longer. He's going to be out for the rest of the regular season. What's the outlook on him in terms of returning at all in the playoffs? Uh, well, they Celtics said six to eight weeks, which I think would put it right in the um, middle of the second round. And that's just him returning to basketball activities. So the Celtics would at least have to win their first round matchup for him to return. Uh, I have complete faith in Marcus Smart to uh, return from an injury and play like a kind of an insane madman. He's <laughs> someone who can deal with pain and really his his skills never really impact uh, the winning. It's just kind of his all out insane effort. So um, if he comes back, I, I think he would make an impact, but it wouldn't be till the second round of the playoffs. Not to be uh, not to be too mean to him, but if there's one player that a, uh, a broken thumb and wrist issue wouldn't affect their shooting, it's possibly going to be him. <laughs> it's not like he's relying upon you know shots to go in at this amazing rate. Like that's got nothing to do with the value that he brings to this team. A lot of people see Marcus Smart. Sam and they go, oh man, you can't shoot. He's terrible. But that's that's really got nothing to do with what he does and how valuable he is to this Celtics team. How do they replace 
Well, actually, first, what what is he actually bringing to this team? That you know, maybe people who don't watch the Celtics every night, what they miss, and how does that get replaced? Uh, well, what he's bringing to the team is, is he is the heart and soul. He's bringing kind of effort and winning basketball plays. He can really do anything on a basketball court. A lot of Celtics uh, people who follow Celtics joke and say that he can play center because he's really can guard huge guys in the post. He can guard out on the perimeter, and he's the really the thing he's bringing is uh, intensity. He's the guy who. Uh, is diving on the floor, making all of those plays. And I don't know exactly how the Celtics are going to replace it. Um, Terry Rozier is definitely going to get more minutes, and he's been playing amazing lately. I think he has double figures in each of the past 18 games. I think he's going to do a lot of uh, kind of being the point guard on the second uh, second unit. But in terms of the intensity, in terms of the guy who's uh, playing down the clutch and being able to guard in all those positions, I don't know if the Celtics really have uh, someone they can lean on. Uh, to kind of replace what Smart brings, it's kind of it's directly intangible. It's something you can't measure. So I don't know if the Celtics have another guy like that. There's really hardly any other any other player in the league that's able to go out play point guard, but also defend point guards, but also go and defend power forwards and switch onto anybody and do everything that's necessary. But they do have one player who I guess provides a skerrick of the defensive intensity that Smart provides, and that's Shane Larkin. Like he's not a guy that's you know overwhelming anyone with his size or strength, but he is extraordinarily pesky defensively, and he is a guy who's going to be into the rotation. Now, he's been dealing with some knee issues of his own, but can he be a player who is a regular part of the rotation now just to provide some defensive you know, stopping on the, on ones and twos of opposing teams? Yeah, I think Shane Larkin's a huge, uh, could be a huge factor just because Stevens really likes to go to kind of three guards, smaller lineups, and Larkin is definitely a spark plug off the bench. He's definitely, he's not, can't um, guard up in the same way the smart can, but he is a pest and is always, uh, is actually pretty good in pick and roll offense and has been running pick and roll and can pop and just hit pull ups. He's a very good player. If his if he starts playing like 15 minutes a game, I think he could have that impact. It's just he doesn't have the same size and kind of the strength that Marcus Smart has. One other player that looks like he's going to play a significant role here for this team as we go down the stretch is a player they acquired on the buyout market, and that's Greg Monroe. Look, there were times when he wasn't playing when Daniel Tice was healthy. He would play 10 minutes. He'd get a DMP some nights. But with Tice out, he's been forced into a larger role. And the last two games especially, he's been fantastic. He's averaging 16.5 points and 7.5 rebounds. He's getting his hands on balls in passing lanes and getting steals. He's being really efficient with his shot. We've heard of you know, Munro's defensive problems, and Tice was a guy who obviously was you know, quite a good defensive big man and was the defensive uh, player of the year over in Germany last season. Is Munro able to, I guess, re- do something to fill in those Tice minutes and not be a complete sieve, and the way that Stevens can use him to be more of a you know, passing disruptor rather than a rim protector? I it's he hasn't really shown it on film yet. He's still kind of one of the slower players in the league who can um, get beaten easily, especially if he switches out on pick and roll. I think he can really be effective if he's going against another traditional five or someone who's uh, will stay in the lane. But if a team goes small, it's really hard to keep Greg Monroe on the court. With that being said, he has been quite good on offense, uh, kind of punishing smaller fives. Uh, he's a really good passer. I think he's going to get some minutes uh, just in terms of off the bench, in terms of bench scoring. It's something the Celtics have struggled with all year. So he's going to get some looks. Uh, but I don't know. He can't replace what Tice was on defense. Tice was another uh, huge energy guy and could really switch out and do some more things on the perimeter. Monroe is just not uh, – doesn't have that speed at this point in his career. 
One last player that I, that I do want to touch on, a, a player who started out the season really red hot, and that's Jason Tatum, you know, shooting you know, over 50% for three, four, you know, a month, two months at a time, but has really dropped off. And these last two games without Kyrie, without Smart, without Jalen, he's been forced into a much larger offensive role, and his efficiency has struggled. Is he a guy that, as much as it sounds weird to say we're relying upon a rookie to, to get back some of that shooting, but is he, how key is he going to be as we head into the playoffs, especially without Marcus Smart there, that he, you know, settles back in more to that role that he, he was accustomed to earlier on in the season and the shots start going down? He's going to be huge because he's one of the major reasons they went on that early winning streak to start the year. He was someone who just, he was more reluctant to shoot and only took these open shots. Uh, they were kind of generated from, Kyrie Irving, Al Horford pick and roll. So you're right, as we've seen him kind of get thrust into having more responsibility, the efficiency has gone down. I think in the playoffs, if he can get to the three-point shooting back somewhere around um, 40 or like 45%, which would be an amazing mark. I mean, he it's insane that he was shooting the 50% uh, from three early on in the season. But if he can go up to the, to the top um, or back to around 40% in the playoffs, that'll be huge for the Celtics just because – uh, so much attention is going to be on that Kyrie Irving, Al Horford pick and roll. If he can just kind of hang out in the corner and only only hit the shots that they like need him to take or and have his efficiency rise, I think that will be a major bonus for the Celtics offense. We look forward to seeing how this all plays out. The NBA season, it looked like it was fairly you know, set in stone. We're going to have the Raptors and Celtics at the top here. They're fighting out with the Cavs, and now injuries are striking all over the NBA. The Marcus Smart one looms large. For this Celtics team, hopefully they can ease Kyrie Irving back in and, and he's at full strength by the time the playoffs roll around. We're all going to be eagerly waiting to see how Brad Stevens can handle these uh, injuries that have really struck this team down all season. Sam, thank you for jumping on and uh, and giving us your thoughts on the uh, the injuries and the way that Boston is, uh, is tracking heading into the playoffs. Thanks for having me, Josh. No problem. Great stuff there from David, Aliko, and Sam talking about the Jazz, the Warriors, and the Celtics here on Locked On NBA. Make sure you are following the Locked On Podcast Network on Twitter and on Facebook at Locked On NBA Net. My name is Josh Lloyd. I do host the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, and you can also find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.